Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and guests. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 191. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Bill Bennett. I'm Mike McMahon. Welcome along, guys. Great to have you both here. Bill, for those who... uh, who aren't regular listeners and don't know where you fit into the technology community? I'm a journalist. Um, these days I'm admitting that I'm a blogger too. <laughs> <laughs> um, have my own website, billbennett.co.nz, and um, it's mainly about technology. Yeah, it's been some pretty interesting topics on there in, uh, in recent days. You've, you've been uh, stirring it's things been up a little bit. Busier than ever, busier than ever. Yeah. And Mike? Hi, thank, thanks for having me. I'm the Chief Technology Officer at Lightbox, which is the new online video service that Telecom's recently introduced. Great. Well, we look forward to uh, to asking you some uh, uh, challenging questions around Lightbox a little bit later on, I think, you know, to, just to fill in the picture uh, for, for listeners on um, on what it is and what it's about and, uh, you know, when you're launching and the, and the like. But it's still Telecom for about another three days, isn't it? Officially, isn't it? So, uh, yeah. Um, now, so uh, we'll jump. Let's jump into the news bites to start with. Uh, LG's uh, G3, which we've talked about on on the show a little bit over the last uh, week or two, uh, that has now uh, launched in New Zealand at uh, one thousand and forty nine dollars. So that should be available out there in stores. I know there was uh, there was quite a bit of interest actually in. Uh, uh, in the new G3, certainly a um, um, a pretty competitive Android uh, handset, and it's it's nice to have uh, more more options. Still at the same price point as as the other flagship phones, though. At the starting price point, yeah. although uh, we've seen most of those ones uh, drop pretty quickly. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, the New Zealand government's taken back control over the school payroll system that was being handled by Talent 2. It's a bit of a debacle there, and it took them some time to get round to it, but we pretty much, I guess most of us watching that knew this was going to happen sooner or later. And uh, as was alluded to uh, just a moment ago, uh, Spark New Zealand uh, launches this week, 8th of August. Uh, Telecom New Zealand becomes Spark New Zealand. Uh, and broken down into various brands, telecom uh, retail becomes a little bit of a mouthful. Spark Home, Mobile, and Business, a uh, bit of a longer name, but I guess it, it's, it's quite clear what uh, a bit yeah. clearer what it's about with that name. Uh, Gen I becomes Spark Digital, uh, and Telecom Digital Ventures becomes Spark Ventures. Right now, into the uh, the discussion topics, uh, Bill. You've been uh, you've been writing about this one, um, Sky, and now uh, TVNZ are saying uh, no to uh, advertising slingshot slingshots uh, global mode capability. It's the Streisand effect, isn't it? It's just wonderful publicity for the slingshot. I mean, it's something that might have slipped by with hardly anyone noticing. It's been elevated into a news story. It's exactly what Sky probably didn't want to happen, that it's got into the newspapers, got into the news bulletins and so on. Um, it doesn't make Sky look all that good, even though it's kind of understandable. I mean, they don't really have much alternative, I should imagine, than to do to do what they've done. Well, no, we, we were discussing before, right, if they're going back to the, the rights holders for various, uh, you know, TV programs that maybe are available through Netflix and through these other uh, services, 
I imagine those rights holders could easily come back to them and say, yeah, hey, look, if you if you don't want this stuff, then you know, first of all, don't uh, don't be promoting uh, products like uh, global mode that makes them more accessible uh, on your on your channels. But I should imagine that Sky equally could go back to the studios and say, well, look, hey, you're selling this stuff to Netflix. Their agreement specifically rules out New Zealand, and yet they're flogging it to New Zealand consumers. So. Um, so there's, there's something on both sides of that. Mm. Um, now, I, for those that don't know about global mode, well, it's, just a, a quick um, summary. Well, generally, if you want to watch something like Netflix or one of the um, overseas online services, which are, uh, are geographically Video limited, services, yeah. um, you have to spoof an address in the foreign country. Well, Slingshot will do that for you, in effect. Um, make, makes it easy for you. you Gives you that easy access yeah. to Netflix yeah. and and, yeah. and other products. Mike, what's what are your thoughts on uh, on this? Because obviously, with with your uh, with your uh, you know hat on uh, fr- from uh, from telecom digital ventures and and Lightbox, uh, you're out there buying content and uh, people that are able to sort of. You know, bypass the usual mechanisms and bring in uh, you know, content through other means from, from Netflix and the like is going to impact your business? Well, I, I think that's right. We look at it probably with a couple different perspectives. One is, you know, if you're, if you're Sky and you're paying for exclusivity, uh, you would expect to get exclusivity. You'd expect that to be protected. Um, and that's, you know, that's a discussion with the studios for, the other perspective and the one that, you know, I prefer to talk about really is that the underlying symptom of this, you know, for people to need to spoof DNS and fetch content from overseas, you know, the, the root cause of that and, the, you know, the, the thing that Lightbox is really trying to solve is choice and, and, and to pro- provide choice in this market uh, to folks that want, you know, access to quality content uh, on their terms and without... Um, cryptic convoluted workarounds and that that's that's what we're going to bring to market and you know i guess you know it's it's fair to say that uh you know when when you look at the potential earnings from licensing content now whether it's you know sky paying you know whatever they pay to license content uh whether it's quick flicks uh whether it's Lightbox, you know Part of you know part of those sort of things that you look at is just how big your market is, and the reality is, in the current state of things, there are you know there is a chunk of the audience uh, that is pirating, not paying anything for content, but they're getting access to to the content. So they might not use your service. There are others that are using Netflix and other international services. So uh, yeah, that must be part of your consideration. You've got to you've got to weigh up and uh, and consider the available pool of people that might buy your uh, you know subscribe to your service, right? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think there's a function of convenience in the thing. You know, a lot of piracy that occurs, not necessarily by choice. Uh, folks would prefer to have a, an easier legal mechanism to get it. It's again, it comes down to choice. And folks want to watch quality TV. Mm. Um, I, I, you know, I think there's a lot of folks that you would you wouldn't consider criminal by nature. Uh, they're they're getting stuff in somewhat dubious fashion, but again, it's. Um, you know, it's a function of not having stuff made available, uh, not having enough buyers in, in this market. And we're, you know, a new entrant, um, but we're here to buy quality content and make it easier. You know, but piracy is, 
a little bit of a struggle to to a lot of folks. I mean, you might want it, but to, to actually find it, to get it, to get it up on your TV or your or your computer screen is it's it's quite a hassle. Mm. Uh, but to keep track of uh, stuff that you want to watch in a, in a legal, licensed, uh, and easy to use, uh, you know, product like Lightbox is, is we think compelling. We think it speaks for itself. I, I think we'll cannibalize a certain amount of piracy, which is good news for the studios. I think we'll cannibalize some physical media, meaning DVD rentals uh, as well. Um, but we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see how it pans out. We're, we're excited. We think we've got a good yeah, story to I, tell. I think we we have to wait and sort of see what that impact is. Yeah, I'll be getting it. Um, day one, the day I saw the English Premier League service being sold, I, I think I was on to it within an hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like going live. I think Lightbox pretty much the same. It's, it's what I've been waiting for. Yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. Um, okay, now the uh, the ultra fast broadband rollout. Uh, this has always been something that was going to take uh, take some time to happen. Uh, you know, we we were told this was a project that would uh, you know run through the best part of a uh, uh, decade. But we just had uh, just had an update through this afternoon uh, on the on the progress. Uh, Bill, what are your uh, what are your thoughts? We you know we're, we're seeing uh, comments that uh, you know this has come in from um, from uh, Amy Adams, Minister for Communications and uh, Information Technology, and uh, it's it's indicating that UFB program seven percent uh, ahead of schedule, uh, and that over the uh, the last three month period up to thirtieth uh, of June. A, uh, a further 96,339 end users uh, have gained access uh, to fibre. It's you know running running past their uh, their their doorway. So that takes uh, the number of uh, households and organisations, such as businesses and schools and health centres and so on, um, that are able to access it up to um, over over half a million, five hundred and seventeen thousand. I'm not sure what seven percent ahead of schedule actually means in this um, in this context, but I noticed um, a couple of or oh, a few weeks ago now that Northland was finished. The the uh, North Power finished their build in Fongaray. Well, that must help. Yeah, well, that would, that well, it's only small, but it would certainly help. Hmm. Um, Auckland is only about a quarter of the way through, which is problem for me because I, uh, even when I last looked, which was a couple of weeks ago now. My house still doesn't have a date for a when we'll get set. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's good. And the thing about Chorus and and the other uh, the local fibre companies that are doing this build is that they've been very good about getting it getting on and getting the job done. Um, the area that I was concerned about was Canterbury in Christchurch, but looking at this, they're on thirty five percent down there. So even that's um, chugging along. So um, you know the. The build, the the if you build it, they will come. Well, the build part of the equation seems to be going well. Um, they're starting to they're starting to rip into selling the thing as well um, from these numbers. Yes. So the uh, the uptake that we're hearing about has apparently jumped forty four percent since the last uh, last quarter. Bill, uh, total number of thirty nine thousand five hundred and ten uh, UFB customers now. Yeah, in round numbers, half a million connections, 40,000 people connected. That's about 8% uptake. That's in line with what I would expect um, it to be now, and that's in line with what's happened overseas as well. 
Um, it means that the government hasn't wasted its money building the thing. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite positive, Mike. Uh, what's what's your take on on these figures and how important do you think the ultra fast broadband initiative is for New Zealand? So, so I'm you know new to the country, and um, UFB to me is a spectacular ende- endeavor. I mean, that the dynamic that that's going to create in the marketplace, the 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 options to to users, and you know certainly somebody who's you know coming to market with a video streaming service, it's uh, UFB something that excites me greatly. Uh, I, I applaud it. I, you know, I applaud New Zealand. How, um, you know, having come into New Zealand to get involved in, I'm, I'm guessing to get involved in Lightbox, I don't know if you, you did you come here and then find out about uh, opportunity to work with uh, Telecom Digital Ventures or was it the other way around? Uh, you know, um, Kiwi Wife, that's okay. the, so the, I think that not an unusual story, but yeah. b- before we moved, I was talking to the Digital Ventures guys at, at Telecom, b- before Digital Ventures was set up, so um, that was... You know, like any guy would do, looking for a job before yeah. he moves to another country. Sure. Nobody's going to hire you over the phone, but you know, you're happy that you've got an interview when you show up. And so I showed up, and it was a couple more months until they, they started that. Okay. I, I began as a consultant. Um, and how how important was you? Do you think UFB, you know, was from your perspective to uh, to you know Lightbox, for instance? Would would Lightbox have come about? Uh, without Uf- UFB, yep, you can stream on today's mm. Mm. Uh, you know ADSL or VDSL lines and get get sufficient uh, HD quality. In fact, probably a couple streams. Uh, to me, what you know UFB truly enables is you know an entire ecosystem and kind of hyper connected society, uh, which is which is important. You know, you, having one HD stream is great for watching video, but if you've got kids doing something else and somebody downloading and you know the whole home that's highly wired um you're going to want more bandwidth and, and videos a, a bandwidth hog let's let's face it but sure. you know the, the more the more applications that are out there i think you're going to want a, more connectivity so it's it's a catalyzing thing that'll bring it uh, to its proper future and I, and I hope also that the whole ufb project intended this kind of competition to emerge in these um, new areas like streaming TV and so on. Um, I do hope that was part of the original plan. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think uh, you know, I think that you know, anything that takes advantage of of UFB, uh, like Lightbox and you know, other services that that can uh, you know, uh, yeah, that benefit from it will help with that uptake as well, right? I, I so, think it's uh, an uptake question. Yeah, you know, people need yeah. to have reason to want to upgrade, and things that do video are um, good news for for UFB. Mm, absolutely. Uh, now, a quick mention of the uh, MediaTek Pacific conference w- that uh, was on uh, last week. Uh, Mike, that was where I ra- ran That's into right. you. Uh, we, we were both uh, speaking there. Um, what were your thoughts on it? This is a different community. There hasn't been a, a conference aimed at, I guess, the the broadcasting, you know, a, a technology related conference for broadcasters and or for you know, TV type broadcasters for a, a long time in New Zealand. They said it was something like uh, twenty years. Um, I wouldn't have thought there was that much technology around twenty years ago in this space, but um, of course there was. But it was very different. Um, how did you enjoy it? I- I truly enjoyed it. You know, I, I met a lot of people for the first time, and it, um, there was a 
a nice um, vibe in the air, you know, of, of industry collaboration, uh, you know, enthusiasm, com- camaraderie, that sort of thing. And I, I, I thrive on that. And I, I think, you know, as a, as a, as a local industry, you know, more events like that would be, would be great. And, you know, innovation comes from collaboration and in, in my opinion, and mm. to have a, you know, a community of people with common goals, uh, even if they're working for different companies, you know, that longer term vision remains what it is. And, and as a group, we'll work through it. So I, I'd like to attend more events like that, but whether it's a speaker or, or an attendee, mm. and I'm, I hope that that's a sign of things to come. It, it seemed to be a pretty healthy attendance. Um, you know, it's over a hundred people. Right? Yeah, yeah. There was there was a good uh, a good interest and a good uh, good mix of speakers. Uh, the the one bit that I was fascinated by was uh, Optus, and uh, you know they were there talking about uh, you know satellite technology, which uh, you know most of us would probably have written off as sort of you know old school. Yes, it's necessary today to you know to deliver. Uh, yeah, the, the sky signal and uh, you know there's free viewing, getting it out to uh, outside the cities and so on over satellite. But uh, you know I think most of us would think you know the, the long term picture for for getting video content to to every home is going to be over the internet. But uh, um, yeah, the, uh, the the speaker from Optus put up a uh, you know as convincing a case as as uh, as, as you could expect to to hear on. Uh, on how satellites may may play um, you know a part uh, longer term, you know it's had its day. It's it's a great t- and I'm a cable guy from the U.S. Yeah. industry, not yep. not a satellite guy. So you know, I guess in New to- Zealand we've had, we've we had a lot more sort of satellite than we have cable. Although uh, Wellington, the Kapiti Coast, and Christchurch have had cable. Forgetting one thing to a lot of people in a broad geographic uh, area, it's satellites certainly fit for that purpose. Um, as soon as you want to do things like watch TV when it's raining or, or have two-way connectivity or, or start delivering, uh, you know, unicast or individualized uh, content or services, it's just not fit for that purpose. It's good for filling in the gaps, though, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it was an interesting discussion. One of the points that they suggested was, to you know, to reach some of the these the audiences and, uh, you know, Australia is, you know, is the big market for, uh, you know, for them, uh, you know, is that you can reach places where internet, you know, maybe doesn't get to or get to very well, and uh, you know, one of their suggestions was that uh, in the future, because set dot boxes aren't that expensive and discs are getting bigger and bigger, that uh, yeah, they might, uh, you know, the set top boxes might automatically pull down yep. you know content that's fed to them, so it's ready for you to get on demand when you well, want. But you satellite, know, yeah, you can do on demand like that, where trip feeds the, the you know the likely popular stuff yeah, at the moment into but I'm not, cash. And it, it, how does that line up with how people want to operate? And I did talk to one broadcaster around that, and they were. They were, you know, they were fairly sceptical that, uh, that 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 made sense, but you know, we'll see. And of course, we've got uh, you know uh, Rocket Lab here in Auckland who are going to make it, uh, you know, they're make it cheaper to get satellites up there. Whether any of those become relevant from a broadcast perspective uh, over time, hey, you know, some of these things may change the picture a little bit, right? Streaming media people, you know, you, you fret about what what in the states they'd call the Super Bowl case, or here let's call it, let's call it the All Blacks case, which mm-hmm. is you know. Do you need multicast to, to, to truly enable this? And if you need multicast, you're, you know, you've got to plumb that all the way through the, the network into the home. I, I'm very excited about, you know, back there, they did, ESPN did 1.7 million unicast streams 
uh, of the World Cup recently, and that's not multicast, unicast. Um, so unicast is where everyone's getting their getting their, an, indiv- an individual stream rather than yep. a, an equivalent of a broadcast where you send it out once, and if the other people are listening at the right time, they're joining an IP same, multicast same stream of data. Is, but this yeah. is you know even in an All Blacks match, you know people take. You know, a toilet break or, or want to, you know, p- pause. So it, I, I think it becomes unicast uh, regardless to, to a certain extent in the way people consume things. So uh, that, that was very promising to me that from a streaming media perspective to see that kind of scale on a live event. Possible like without, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, am I right in thinking that the UFB network does video overlay as well as digital, uh, as well as data? Yeah, there there is a there is a video component for yeah for for instance broadcast TV yeah. that can operate I believe on that multicast, uh, multicast uh, right. you know, type type mode uh, yeah which is you know there's some obviously some foresight there uh, into an age where we have uh, content like TV news and so on that is getting broadcast in real time mm. uh, but is very efficient in terms of how it uh, how it feeds out across the uh, Across the networks, and you know, certainly in the future, I can imagine that we'll throw away our aerials and our uh, satellite dishes and so on uh, when you're in a UFB zone and and, and pull all your content, uh, yeah, down through the ultra fast broadband network. So, uh, yeah. Um, now the um, the HTC One M8, which I think is sitting. Uh, Sitting over there somewhere. Uh, that looks like the one. Uh, now this this handset is one of you know one of the new uh, the you know the new breed of uh, of Android handsets that, that's launched in in the last uh, month or two, and you know a lot of reviewers sort of consider it to be the the premium product with its sort of metal build and 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 so on. Um, now in the US, just over the weekend, uh, it was revealed that uh, HTC are releasing. Uh, what looks exactly the same as the HTC One M8, uh, but with Windows Phone operating system uh, in it. So, um, Bill, do you have any thoughts on that? I think I might have let that one go uh, go go flat. But um, <laughs> so, apologies if you if you can't uh, um, turn it on. But uh, that hardware with uh, with Windows Phone, do you do you think that there's uh, there's room in you know in the market for more than I guess you know predominantly we're seeing the Nokia uh, you know handsets are, are being the, uh, the you know the bulk of the Windows Phone handsets but you know the market share is sort of slowly increasing for Windows Phone it, will this will this help uh, having that a bit more diversity with uh, with handsets I think it'll help the phone makers um, because my understanding is that they're not making as much money as they most of them are not actually making that much money from selling Android handsets. Um, and part of the reason they don't is because every Android handset has a license fee that goes to Microsoft, funnily enough. <laughs> and so um, for an Android handset maker, at least flirting with Windows Phone makes economic sense if it doesn't make technical sense. Well, it's potentially cheaper, isn't yeah. it? Because Microsoft are making Windows uh, Windows Phone available, you know, Windows and Windows Phone available free now on any device, I think, under yeah. under a nine-inch a nine uh, screen size, which covers most of your smaller tablets But But Android, of course, is not free to the phone makers. So. Because they're paying those yeah. licensing fees back to Microsoft, and I don't know if there's any other uh, royalties that people have to pay to, to anyone else, but no. there's certainly those ones. So, so from that point of view alone, I think it's going to happen. Now, um, as we have just discussed many times on the podcast, Windows Phone is actually better than Android in many respects. 
I mean, in terms of being, in terms of the user experience, it's a better user experience generally, and it's more reliable user experience. So, um, so I think it's, I, I think that something's going to have to happen at some point. Um, but Windows Phone, you know, it could be a money earner for these guys. Well, because we're talking about the same, uh, the same hardware. That's got to help a manufacturer, doesn't it? Yeah. If you can build a piece of hardware and you can put on it Windows Phone or Android, and I think you know most of these phones now are moving to sort of yeah soft keys and so on. So you know you, you don't have to yeah you, you literally can take the same hardware and just mm. flash it uh, yeah virtually flash it with a different operating system. I'm sure there's a little bit more to it than that, uh, even if it's that there's a model number printed on the back and a few other things. So there will be some slight variances, but uh, if the R and D team just produces one design and then uh, and then you make it available. Uh, in multiple variants that makes some sense uh, I mean maybe they could go as far as uh, you know you buy the device and you choose which OS and uh, it pulls down the appropriate OS and uh, puts it on there Mike you're uh, you know you're mostly an iPhone uh, user yourself yeah. personally uh, what, what are your thoughts on this I think it's interesting you know I from what you're getting at from a like hardware abstraction type thing I, I quickly go to TV you know with it but you know, in terms of what Amazon did with that Fire TV or hmm. Android TVs coming out, and you know they have a dedicated streaming device that you could flash, you know, a different OS, but but also middleware on is, is very empowering from a supply chain uh, perspective, certainly from an OEM perspective. But but again, it, for me, it always comes up to what kind of choice and convenience you're going to get to in a user's hand. Uh, but you know, efficiencies in a supply chain, particularly a complex one like like consumer electronics. Um, it, it can only be good. I what mean, I don't want to see is a dual boot phone. <laughs> I guess it would, it would be interesting, uh, and I imagine that the that the uh, the Microsoft marketers have probably already uh, uh, already looked at this. But uh, you know, it would be interesting if you could buy the HTC One M8 and at when you receive it on the first time you start it up, you get to choose which which world it sort of lands in. I am. I I could imagine Microsoft giving some sort of incentive to an HTC uh, to to offer that choice mm-hmm. and to maybe put some other enticement in there in terms of you know which which you should choose. I imagine there'd be a bit of a nightmare for HTC if someone chose one and you couldn't then flick to the other one uh, later. So you'd probably have to you know have a way of handling that. But I imagine you know, Microsoft would quite like being in front of a bigger customer base. If every time you bought an Android phone. Uh, when it, you know, the first time it starts up, if it gave you that uh, that choice, there would, you know, some people would just be curious and would try it out. That today probably wouldn't go and buy a Windows, uh, you know, a Windows phone in a store. Um, yeah, partly because a lot of people just haven't, yeah, haven't heard of it. And, well, they might want to try and, it, and yeah. so on. So it would, it would give a chance. I think people would want to try it. The other thing is, is, is that there must be temptation for the phone makers to pass the saving on to the customers. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe so. Um, so you get the Windows Phone version of the same thing for, I don't know, sixty, seventy bucks cheaper than the Android version. Right. So, well, there's your incentive, right? There's your financial incentive for uh, for HTC. So they put both on there, and then try and encourage their customers to uh, to go for Windows, and the knowledge that uh, Microsoft waives the uh, waives the license fee if they uh, if they start the phone initially yeah. with Windows rather than Android. 
Interesting. Uh, you know, strange how hard it is, I guess, for Microsoft to uh, uh, to win to win market share, and I'm sure they're, they're thinking about all these sorts yeah. of uh, things. Uh, now, we did want to actually talk about a new, an actual Windows phone. Uh, now, we've got here the, uh, and I've been playing with this one for a, for a few days, is the new uh, Lumia. 930 from Nokia which of course is now uh, a division, the Nokia handsets is now a, a division of, uh, of Microsoft uh, this officially landed I think uh, I saw uh, at the end of, end of last week it became available uh, to order online in New Zealand I'm not aware of any retailers having the, uh, the Lumia 930 yet uh, it's interesting the hardware uh, for those that looked at the uh, the Lumia 920, which was quite uh, hefty, uh, you know, a, a handset compared to other phones in the market it was in terms my phone of phone for two years, yeah, size and weight. <laughs> uh, you know, very very solid, uh, very solid handset. Um, but I was I just dropped this uh, the the Lumia 930 on the scales before I think it came in at 168 grams, uh, and when we compare that to most of the uh, the yeah, similarly sized and, and slightly bigger screen uh, uh, Android phones and so on. I think the HTC One M8 was 158 grams. Uh, one of the other ones was about 162. There were some that were a bit lighter too. Um, but actually, now that sort of trend of a, a more solid phone that, that Nokia probably started, uh, they're now not a whole lot different to the other products uh, in the market, are they? Yeah, well, as I say, I had that 920 for a couple of years as my main phone, uh, working phone. And um, one of the things about it, I always thought, is it could stop bullets. Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, wasn't there a case in uh, recent days of uh, somebody whose uh, who's smartphone did stop a, a bullet? Every now and then you, you hear these uh, news reports. <laughs> And uh, I think there, yeah, there, there was one that uh, that I saw in the in the last few days. So uh, I don't think it was a Nokia, but uh, um, I, and I do forget the brand. But I'm sure uh, they'll be they'll be playing that one up and uh, um, yeah, appreciating a bit of free uh, free publicity. I, I, what I think about the um, um, the Lumias and the Windows Phone is that they actually are a an equivalent to. Um, to the iPhone in a way that perhaps Android isn't. Android seems to be more like a a version of of iOS, whereas Windows Phone actually seems to be an alternative. But it's you know a, a, a very real alternative. It's actually it actually comes at it from a different perspective. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you'll find. Um some of our listeners would disagree with you there, Bill, but uh, it's interesting for me because I, you know, I usually have my primary phone being the, you know, the newest phone that's come out. So when the iPhone 5S came out, uh, and and uh, you know, a- Apple uh, made one of those available, you know, my way of, of you know keeping up with the play and reviewing the new the new product is to spend a lot of time with it. So that was my phone for quite a quite a few months as my primary phone. Um, I've moved that to be my sort of secondary phone. There's been a bunch of new phones out in the last couple of months um, but I still go back to it because it's got everything, yeah. it's configured perfectly for me and when I flick backwards and forwards uh, between all these new Android phones that are coming out it's some you know, amazing specifications and you know, very good in a whole number of areas and it's nice having things like the infrared remote control that you know, a bunch of them have uh, built in and that, yeah, they've all got their uniques uh, but the, the standard capabilities uh, in terms of what's built in, in terms of 
transferring all your, your your settings and so on across is actually quite weak. So you need to use you know third party tools and and whatnot. And I try and run a a much more standard sort of experience. So as I flick to the next Android phone, you know it takes me quite a while before I've got things configured and uh, by the time I've got it about right uh, another Android phone comes out and I jump across uh, to that to use. When I jumped onto the uh, the Lumia uh, 930 it was uh, just a, a glorious experience because they've got that uh, that backup now with Windows Phone 8.1 really down to a you know a pretty good level. I wouldn't say it's absolutely uh, you know perfect uh, then again, iOS backup's not perfect either, but it's not. I don't think it's at the standard of what Apple's backup is. But it's free. You don't pay. You don't actually pay anything for that. Whereas I keep finding with uh, uh, iCloud, I'm. I don't know about you guys, but do you back up your phone to the cloud, Mike? Yes. And you find you having to pay a <laughs> pay a bit of a subscription fee to, to get it all backed well, up. Or back you... it up. You know, I use a variety of things. Okay. So, you know, yep. Google Drive, Evernote. Right. Know, so it depends Dropbox, how you break it down with yeah. you backing up all your photos and so on. But if you want to back up your whole phone and you've got a 64 gig, uh, you know, phone, uh, you've got a bit of a subscription there. I mean, I think the the there's a, a lot of value in the, in the options and the capabilities Apple gives you there. I think that's sort of you know, the gold standard in terms of how to run your phone uh, back up and you know, transfer to a new phone. But Windows Phone isn't, isn't too far behind now. It was a really good experience to transition across. No, I, I, I do the same. I, in fact, I, I, I live in the Windows Phone world and the iPhone world, and um, they're, they're kind of parallel universes. Mm. Um, and the thing I was, I was talking about on um, on on first line on uh, Monday this week, when I showed off the the Lumia nine thirty, is that the sort of the famous app gap I think has you know dramatically sort of closed down where the yeah. top yeah you know, there, there there used to be a list of the sort of the top fifty apps, and there were quite a bunch that Windows Phone just didn't have. I think now you know the. the They've virtually got all of them. You know, there was Uber that you couldn't get. There was Instagram and uh, and so on. The only uh, major sort of one that I use on other platforms that I can't get now uh, is uh, Flipboard. I think that's uh, that's available on on Windows tablets, but not on uh, Windows phones. So yeah, you know, I use something else for sort of pulling in RSS reader type content and so on. But um, Next gen reader. Other, other, yeah. <laughs> so there, yeah, there's tools like that that you know that, that do an okay, and do an okay job. Um, but it's a much less sort of degraded experience than yeah. what than what it used to be. So uh, yeah, well worth looking at for uh, yeah for those that you know like a, a really nice quality phone. It's got the wireless charging uh, which the LG G3 has. Uh, although I found it a bit more consistent when using it with. Um, I've, yeah, had a couple of generic um, Qi wireless chargers, and it was harder to get the G3 to work on those. Uh, but the uh, the Lumia 930, work, you know, seemed to work flawlessly on all the all the chargers. So it's very easy to grab one to have on your desk at your office, and one by your bedside, so you never have to plug your phone in again, which I love. Um, well, I wish it was waterproof. That's probably the main thing that I'd like to see on the the Lumia. The other thing about the Lumia is you still. I mean, even though the phone's getting a bit old now, it's more than two years old. I'm the, still what getting, the nine the nine twenty that you're using. Yeah. I'm still getting a day's charge on that. Mm. Um, I just about get a, a day's charge on the iPhone five. So, um, depending on how busy the day is. Yes. Yeah. No. It's uh, it's interesting. Well. Let's uh, let's jump into 
Uh, one more topic before we uh, before we talk Lightbox, uh, and that's Microsoft's Imagine Cup finals. Now, this, this is the uh, the student contest that they hold around the world uh, each year, uh, and uh, you know they're they're encouraging uh, you know students to effectively uh, uh, launch a sort of a mini startup that they uh, they they uh, run through the contest, and you know they have to sell a uh, uh, you know usually some sort of software development and market it and so on to the to the judges. And uh, this year the Aussies won the uh, the grand uh, prize, uh, but uh, Kiwi team uh, team uh, estimate. Uh, made up of uh, who do we got there? Chris uh, Duan, uh, Jason Wee, and Hayden Du, and Derek Zhu. Uh, they came in and uh, won in the uh, I think it was the innovation uh, category and fifty thousand dollar fifty thousand dollar prize. So that was uh, that's well not done. too bad. Congratulations! Yeah. So um, so nice nice to uh, this was a um, a group of. Uh, um, a group from Auckland, uh, Auckland University. So, yeah, quite a uh, um, quite a coup because I think it's it's been a few years since New Zealand's done uh, uh, done well. I, I um, yeah, so yeah, very nice achievement there. It's just good. I mean, we we play in the World League in this sort of game, just as we do in a number of other sports. It's good. It's a pretty cool sport, isn't it, for yeah. geeks being able to do that sort of thing? So uh, yeah, and I mean there are lots and lots of teams that do get involved in from New Zealand each year, and yeah, very pleasing to see that sort of result. Okay, so on to uh, on to Lightbox, uh, Mike. When when you spoke uh, last week at uh, at MediaTek Pacific, um, one of the things that I found interesting was you sort of put in context your uh, your role by sort of talking a little bit about. Some of the things you'd done before uh, in the US before coming to New Zealand. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about uh, you know th- those roles yeah. that uh, that you did in the US and how they how they relate? Sure, sure. Thanks, thanks for that. I um, you know I was a startup guy by nature during the, the you know dot com era. Um, I took my you know I say in air quotes my first real job at, at Comcast. Um, which is a large, you know, cable TV operator. They do, you know, triple play. Uh, they're they're a monster. I think 100,000 employees. Um, you know, this big ISP and, and cable TV provider. But at at the time, uh, they were grappling with. Um, you know, Netflix was still just showing or just doing DVDs by mail at that point, and uh, it was you know there was rumors that there was going to be a streaming service. Uh, you know, folks were talking about IP delivery. Uh, I was hired into an R and D uh, organization that you know was we called the office of the CTO over there, and they had pockets of different groups of R and D teams, very small and dynamic uh, in nature. I was in a group that was concerned with a, a general migration into the cloud, meaning getting out of the set top, getting user interfaces out into the network, uh, and alternative forms of video delivery, which you know had to do with IP. Uh, content distribution networks, right? Because uh, Comcast with a lot of customers, you would have been set top boxes would have been what you were, you know, yeah, was the norm and, for your customers, that was, right? That was this. We did the coolest stuff. I mean, it was blue sky. We had you know, I had a Donkey Kong machine in my office. We, we did. We <laughs> came and went, did whatever, and you know, we had to show demos once in a while. So it was proof. Of, it was all raw proof of concept stuff, and uh, you know. You get emotional about stuff, especially when you believe in it, and then it would 
die on the vine because it always came back to well it's you know we can't can't introduce this now because there's no tie into the legacy plant or the you know the set tops that are in people's homes and if we do this prematurely without contemplating the set top and you know I see stuff press releases now and I I remember the nugget of you know R and D way back when and now it's just now it's finally coming through years and years I guess that's you know there must be similarities uh, between Comcast and say Sky here who who you know they've got. Uh, you know, most of their revenue comes through an existing set-top box platform. And that's platform. a hard thing. Even to go to, say, you know, MPEG-4 is a big deal if you've got deployed capital vis-a-vis lots of set-tops and, and you're not going to do a flash cut because you can't afford the truck rolls and the capital investment to do it. So, yeah, you'd benefit from the better compression up on the transponder and you'd get more HD and more content, but then you've got to go swap out all these set-tops. So that's that's a challenge for an incumbent Lightbox, you know, from a technologist perspective, was fantastic. You know, it's my dream job, and, and I say that with in all sincerity because it was a blank sheet of paper. I mean, it was look, we, we, we're going to start Greenfield, and from the ground up, we're going to pick the vendors, we're going to work through the architecture, we're going to design it the way we want, we're going to cobble it together the way we want, and that's you know, maybe once in your career you might get that kind of opportunity. So I was very excited to, to take the role, and uh, I've had a lot of fun with it, and none of those shackles applied. So tell us how it all stalled and what a nightmare it is to work for telecom. I'm and- not going to tell you that at all. <laughs> so I've been in this digital ventures group, and they're, yeah. they're going to call it Spark Ventures with the, with the upcoming uh, rebrand. Sure. And that, you know, I think a big shout-out to that group. And Rod Snodgrass, the guy that heads it up, that operates like a startup within you know i'd, I'd call it a cor- corporate incubation uh maybe it's the best way to describe it but the skunk works skunk works yeah. you know yeah. you you, yeah. you know fail often yeah. fail quickly fail cheaply and and keep going with the stuff iterate um test try again um but that it's very you know that kind of ethos kind of you know, throughout that that group, and it's small. Um, yeah. So Lightbox uh, is one of the kind of ventures hanging under that digital ventures umbrella. I, I reckon when when the whole thing's washed up, Simon Moot will be remembered for digital ventures more than changing the name to Spark. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because from the outside, you know, and and you know, we've looked at various uh, endeavors from Telecom Digital Ventures, uh, you know, on the podcast since since, since it launched, and you know, from from the outside, it certainly seems. You know, like yeah, you know, cut from a from a uh, you know different cloth than sort of the the older traditional ways of, of telecom, and uh, you know it, it does seem like you've got exciting stuff that's that's going on, and that the you know that uh, you know you know um, that the organisation is is putting in you know the funding that is needed to uh, to make these things happen. It's you know it does take a certain amount of courage from you know from from somebody like Simon to get it going. It's uh, it's a uh, more challenging to a large organization to sustain that type of activity because you know the, the kind of inclination and the um, you know instinct is to pull it back in and, and into the mothership and that could be the right thing for a lot of these initiatives over time but to you know to have a sustained group that can carry on with those types of things because it's, it's not just about lightbox there's other things and there's things that five years out are going to be worthy of that type of um, speculative uh, investment and you know R&D type activity. Um, so, I, you know, I hope it's got a long life, and I, I think it will. 
Okay. Now, um, yeah, uh, probably a fair chunk of our listeners will be familiar with what Lightbox is, is about. But you know, for those that know Netflix and uh, and so on, I, you know, I guess in, in simple terms, your uh, your aim is to deliver a service that that allows people to uh, to easily stream video content uh, within New Zealand. Uh, I guess initially from a you know a fairly limited range of of devices, but um, run us through sort of I guess what you know what have been your goals? And I know last week you were you were talking on the sort of your you know your top priorities. Where are the top areas that you're going to be uh, spending spending money and and why you're launching without being available on every single uh, every single device from day one? Okay, okay, yeah, thanks. So that you know, from a overall kind of design, call it design. Or architectural philosophy, you know, there were a couple real core things that we, you know, set out to conquer. And one was extensibility of the platform, and that had to do with, you know, video formats, devices, feature sets, the, the way content could be enriched with with, with metadata and, and, and so forth. Um, architectural purity from a modular, you know, componentized uh, perspective. So we didn't buy Netflix in a box from some vendor off the shelf, or and we also didn't build it ourselves from scratch. What we did was, you know, engage uh, the vendor community, and, and, and it's a pretty big community. Uh, most of the vendors, most of the sales guys from most of the vendors will tell you they can do everything, and, and it's it's not true. It's, it's, it's a little bit true in varying degrees, but, you know, in actual fact... Uh, what, what you end up with is, uh, in the approach we took, was a best-in-breed modular design where we, uh, you know, retained architectural purview. We defined, you know, the kind of glue in between all those bits. And what, what we believe we've ended up with is the best of both worlds, which is a, you know, best-in-breed platform with modularity where, you know, if one particular component's not quite right, we could you know replace it with somebody else but but having to find all the integration right. around so, that it's you yeah. know it's it's as if we'd built it ourselves so you've got and bought the best bits and pieces of technology that will fit together well you've tried to keep it i guess as you know reasonably uh simple whilst delivering what you need and you're utilizing some of uh, telecom sort of server infrastructure local uh here in auckland so it's, and it's very then, cloud-based in nature a yeah. lot of it's hosted in aws what, yeah. what we are doing here in a data center is what's called the origin server right uh for the content distribution network the cdn and that's that brings all the actual heavy payload which is the video content into mm. the country into the into a big, so it's, it's lo- that piece is local that piece is local a lot's running out of sydney and aws mm, in terms mm. of the, the back end stuff that's right. interesting in itself that it's working that way so you're using amazon there and then you've got uh as a content um distribution network you've got uh, akamai akamai to uh to do that so uh the theory is that they will sort of be able to handle yeah. you know whatever sort of load is uh is is, is put on uh um, put on Lightbox. That, that, that's right. And when you look at um, the content workflows, so this is you know getting content into the system. Hollywood's clearly in the mix because you're licensing stuff from studios. There's local studios here, but you've got to get essence files. They're called like the raw and this, this some of this stuff's you know huge bit rates. Uh, you got to get it into what we call mezzanine format, which is your sort of house you know baseline format, and all again you create all the different derivatives for the different profiles and bit rates and devices there's quite an art to that and it gets packaged up for the right delivery protocols you've applied drm and so forth so that 
there's, there's quite a bit of technology involved in that, but what's, you know, another design philosophy that we had was operational efficiency. And now this creates, a, you know, a cost um, basis that's very different, you know, in terms of a content operations team and heavy lifting of, of you know, video and, and metadata assets and moving around and normalizing stuff. Um, doing that in the cloud through automated workflows is uh, um, very empowering from a, from a cost structure perspective. And we are a new age provider in, in, in that regard. So, you, you know, you remove that capital figure by, by way of the, you know, leased set-top equipments and satellites and transponders and that kind of stuff, as well as apply that kind of, you know, automated workflow in the modern era from a cloud computing perspective to the video workflows. And you've got a nice, you know, cost basis for a business, which mm. is really uh, going to make a big difference. Yeah, and I think, you know, we often talk <clears throat> about, uh, you know, certainly a, a discussion I often have with companies is around, you know, taking advantage of the cloud, you know, where you can. And when you're, you know, when you're starting up from from scratch, as you've done, uh, you know, you can really choose the, the, the cloud first and, and you know, in the, in the appropriate cases. Now, uh, I guess, that, that, you know, it seems to me there's sort of two areas that are very important to make a service like this work really well. Mm. Uh, one of them is, is having lots of ways to get to the content. So, you know, with Netflix, for instance, uh, you know, you can get that up on just about anything. Uh, so, you know, it doesn't matter what you're using. There's a pretty good chance that you can get the Netflix. Uh, yeah, That's right. You can get to the content. Then the other piece is having the great content. Um, tell us sort of how you've prioritized uh, as far as that sort of side of things is, is concerned and, you know, what that picture is likely to look like, uh, you know, lo- longer term. Well, I'll speak to content first. It's, um, I don't know if it's the easier one, but it's, it can be more direct about that. But co- content is king. And, you know, in this business, you, you either know that going in or, or you don't. And this thing where let's buy a little bit of content and, then all these users will come and we'll have money and then we'll have money to buy more content and there'll be more years. Does not work, period. Uh, you need to be able to spend money on content if you're going to put together. And this is a subscription VOD service, meaning monthly fee, all you can eat. Um, you need to respect that. If for if This is media. And know, I guess that, that's the reason why we have so many people uh, in New Zealand and Australia that are using Netflix because they've got such a big content catalog compared to the existing uh, video on demand or subscription video on demand services that are that are available locally, uh, like QuickFlix, that's available on a broad range of platforms, probably doesn't have the the you know the rich catalog, which is you know why I'm watching you know Netflix a lot more than I'm watching QuickFlix, for instance. Bill, what do you do? You use any? Um, no, no services I'm, at the moment. I'm afraid I, afraid I don't. So um, you, so you're ripe and ready for yeah, uh, for yeah, for, for, for a, a good yeah. offering with good content. Yeah, I mean, yeah. our local video shop gets a lot of business because, as I said a number of times, it's cheaper to rent a season of a TV show from the video shop than it is to um, download it legally. Um, which is kind of wrong when you think someone's got to make those discs and (laughs) truck them to shops and handle the whole shop infrastructure and so on. Um, So, no, I'm sitting here waiting. I'm probably one of Mike's prime customers, one of of his first customers. Mm. 
We haven't announced all the content. There will be more, and we're still loading it. So, what are the announced. what are the top sort of titles that? Uh, well, the ones that we you know they've previously been announced mm-hmm. uh, that I, I think people are aware of. You know, seasons one and two of Vikings, which mm-hmm. is which is a big deal. Um, the new season of Twenty Four. Uh, that Matt, didn't seem to be on the beta when I had a look. The very newest one. We're still loading content. You're gonna have, you keep it to coming. Keep yeah, it yeah. coming. Uh, Mad Men, uh, and then the ones, are the new ones, and it, some of these are exclusive. The exclusive ones were Outlander, which was had a huge pent up demand here. We're very excited about the, the community that's been supportive uh, around that. Alpha House, Betas, Arrested Development, uh, other dramas that we we've announced were Breaking Bad, Masters of Sex. Uh, Orange is the New Black, House of Cards, Downton Abbey, uh, crime shows such as uh, The Blacklist, um, Homeland, Sons of Anarchy, uh, some comedies in there, Modern Family, The Inbetweeners, uh, Louie, sci-fi series such as Orphan Black and Doctor Who, lots of lots of great kids content, and that that's an important uh, segment. Kids, when you've got subscription, I think you know people with kids can relate to. It's evergreen, you know. You yeah. Want to watch, but you know, Dora yep. Explorer, The Wiggles, Sarah and Duck, uh, and there's a lot more to come. We've got over five thousand hours of content that we've licensed. Yeah, it was interesting because I uh, I uh, gave my son uh, something to watch on uh, uh, on the, on your beta app on the iPad yep. uh, over the weekend, and uh, he uh, he. He got downstairs uh, before me one uh, one morning, and he grabbed grabbed the iPad, uh, figured his way uh, through the content. He's, he's three and a half, so he, you know he's learning these things. But I can't remember the last time uh, that he he had access to an iPad like that because uh, my own one is usually locked and so on, so he can't just get in and 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 get access to it. Uh, there are, there are other um, yeah most of our devices are, are like that but I had the one with the beta app on it it was unlocked and uh, yeah he'd got in there and figured and had found some new content that uh, you know we hadn't played before and he worked his way through it pretty easily and was uh, yeah quite one, one of the nice features happy. well a couple features in there that we've got is you can you can create profiles you can name one you know kids and you can set parental controls around that so that's a that's a nice use case for a you know your old iPad say and it'll it'll you can have it remember me for the login and set it to the kid profile with the parental control on it it'll always log in and be set to that profile and you can you know hand it to the kids safely uh, in, in, in confidence that they'll be locked into the you know appropriate content so that we think that's nice for mm. certainly for uh, people with kids one of, one of the things I like about streaming content and uh, Bill I don't know if you've um experience this um, I guess you know we've got the the uh, TVNZ on demand a TV3 and so on so they've got those apps but you know what I found with your broadcast TV is you'll often miss you know miss various episodes and so on yeah, yeah. and uh, I saw a little bit of uh, the life on Mars series I think probably it was it was broadcast yeah and yeah, it was quite interesting, but I I never I never saw the, the beginning. First episode, I never yeah. saw the first oh, episode, so I didn't know what was going so on. So I sort of came in partway through without the full picture. Uh, so w- once I got the app, um, yeah, you know, Lightbox, I you know, I jumped in and I watched season one, ep- episode one, and uh, I stored there because it's still during the beta. Episode two wasn't uh, <laughs> uh, wasn't visible. Episode three was, but I, I see it's uh, it's a, it's appeared there now. Um, so you know that's a series. There's two seasons uh, of it. Uh, that's going to keep me busy for some time. Um, you know, Mike, you talked about sort of content being king, and 
Yeah, I, I think this is, you know, the the, uh, the the content lineup that you've got to start with is actually quite enticing. And because I'm a Netflix user and I've got a subscription to uh, to, to Amazon Prime with their mm-hmm. service as well, uh, and 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 Quickflix, I'm sort of looking across these various services. How to compare? And well, the interesting thing is there's 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 a bunch of content that you've got that actually isn't on isn't on Netflix. And I think that sort of that stands out to me that that uh, you know that you've got some of this sort of exclusive um, or more expensive sort of content, or whatever have you describe it. But you, you know you've got some content there um, that actually I didn't have you know easy access to through those existing uh, channels before. So uh, yeah, so yeah, well, well, well done on that. And I, I hope that we'll see uh, you know we'll see. You know, with most of those, uh, you know, various uh, programs that you know you'll you'll keep those reasonably current and so on. I guess that can be that's one of the challenges, I'm sure, from a cost perspective. If you've got the the very latest season, that gets to be pretty expensive. And it's, you know, it's an expensive game, and yeah. you know, and it's uh, it's something you've got to keep up to date with. You've got to keep buying more. It's um, you know, it's a binge viewing proposition. So you know, if it's, it's if, if that's if you're one that's watch the term, it, isn't it? That's the official doing, term. But, but you're going to go. It's that you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I look. I missed the original uh, season one of something like Breaking Bad. You want to. You don't want to jump in season three during the broadcast. You want to go back to the first episode and r- rip through it. And to watch, uh, you know, ten in a row. It's. I mean, it takes some time. But the you know the, a lot of this content these days the, the really good well written scripted dramas I mean the, the story arc the narrative is with binge viewing in mind you've heard people talking about this it's it's a different kind of art form mm, in a way mm. and it's it's appropriate to watch uh, you know in that mode and it really is enjoyable if you're you know once you find a series that you're hooked on I mean that. Wait till next Tuesday for the new thing. That's, that's <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Now, I've noticed there are some features that aren't there, and we talked about it before. You're not across all of the the platforms yet. You that's know, initially right. you're, you're on a you know, browser on, on Windows or Mac, and you're on the iPad. That's right. Uh, you know, t- tell, tell us yeah. you know, why, why it can't be available on everything, uh, you know, all, all at once. Well, it, it could, but we'd have to wait to launch then, right? I mean, so that so would have delayed the launch? Time. And it, yeah. you know, you have, well, you don't have to, but we, we certainly wanted to do Mac and PC first, and that's because there's more complexity to the account management and stuff. So that's, you know, you've got... You've got, to have, you've got to have web access, don't you? It, yeah, and you yeah. can, you know, manage your subscription. You can manage the devices. So, it's by the way, it's five devices that can be registered, okay. two simultaneous streams. That's where you set up the parental controls, profiles, so you had to sort of, you kind of have to do the web uh, first to support those types of things. iPad is, you know, a great development platform. Um, it's, you know, it's a type of community that streams a lot of video. So it's an easy kind of second choice. Um, we're, we're very um, aggressive with the device roadmap. The platform was built in a, called a, you know, device independent uh, fashion. So bolting them on is relatively straightforward there's you know you you end up looking at market share of devices you end up understanding what users are asking for you've got some that are roughly low-hanging fruit um and and when it comes to the big screen and that that's important because tv belongs on the tv uh we're not denying that What, what we do now is people can use an hdmi cord um which is very good but 
not necessarily the best thing from the sofa or for the wife factor. Um, AirPlay uh, works if you happen to have an Apple TV. Uh, but, you, you know, you get quickly into game consoles, smart TVs, or a, a dedicated streaming device. And, and there's a balancing act with the technology around, um, you know, supporting and maintaining a lot of platforms versus, you know, focusing on a few. Um, and, that you know, we're wrestling with the, what that balancing act looks like. What, what we can say is that there'll be more device announcements this side of Christmas? Well, I mean, uh, you know, the initial announcement was there was a $20 million investment into Lightbox. So, you know, with that type of investment, this is obviously a big, you know, big commitment. Uh, you know, you, you're not just going to be available on a couple of platforms and, and no. leave it at that. Yeah, you have to go out and make it available on the devices and the and the things that, that people use. So um, I guess, you know, Bill and I could probably speculate as to which platforms you'll release and, uh in which order, but you know, I guess you're not willing to. You, I mean, you you probably can't can't share too much of that just yet. Other than hey, we'll see a bunch more sometime between now and Go and Christmas. Christmas. So, yeah. How much content does twenty million dollars buy? Depends on the on the quality of the yeah. content. Depends on what kind, you know whether you're yeah. going for exclusivity. Depends on which studios you're, you're dealing but with. Does it keep? A, is it enough to keep the pipeline for a customer all year? Keep the pipeline full. Well, I, you know, I, I look at it, um, yes and no. Uh, yes, in the sense that if, you know, if you get engaged with, you know, I keep saying Breaking Bad, it's a, it's a good example. You've got, you know, quite a few seasons of that. If you watch a show a day, um, it, it's going to keep you busy for a couple months, but, you yeah. know, one, one an evening. If you've got another show that you're interested in, it keeps you, that's, you know, that's yeah. four months. It's a third of the year, and you've only engaged with two of our properties. So that's, you know, from that perspective, uh, absolutely. I think yeah. there's plenty in there from the perspective of, of kids who will watch, this, you know, evergreen type content. I think that satisfies it. But that, you know, I, I'd also answer that question decidedly. No, it's this is media. You, you like, it's go you'll back. have to keep investing in it, you'll right? There, this doesn't stop at twenty yeah. million. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. telecom's going to have to have some deep pockets you to don't keep, just keep doing this, right? Wake up one day and say, "I've got some money. I'm going to go do a deal with a studio." You, you're going to be talking to that studio for several months until you've gotten you know a deal done so and is there any possibility of sport uh yes there's a possibility we don't have any immediate plans around that um sport, you know look for like say linear live you know new sports weather that's those are yeah things of the moment well right? and i guess at the moment you look at say uh, al jazeera news content that's you know that's available uh, you know free you know, broadcast wise is there are various things so uh, you know i guess in, in terms of the future of you know what's going to be what's going to be available with it through your platform or, or through others we you know we're going to get uh, and obviously the the uh, english premier league we're going to be able to get yeah. a broad range of content available uh, without having to have uh, you know the the traditional type of subscription, and I think that's starting to happen uh, everywhere in the world. The, you know the US, you know a lot of those big sort of sports uh, franchise type brands and so on uh, make their content available through you know quite a number of yeah. mechanisms, well, don't they? My previous life, you know, after Comcast, was at one mm-hmm. of the other operators, but we we were doing two hundred live channels and. 10,000 10, hours of VOD, that, that type of thing, through these types of devices. So it's you can mix and match, yeah, uh, through through the no, through that type of platform. It sounds, I mean, it's, it sounds just what we need, actually. 
So what what will this Bill? Have you got any thoughts on how quickly we're going to see the traditional uh, model of what Sky TV? Uh, you know, how quickly is that going to erode? Because today they've got over fifty percent of of homes covered today are Sky subscribers to one degree or another. Sky have announced that they're going to be releasing a subscription video on demand service at some stage. Now I talked to. Uh, uh, Craig Whitby, who's on yeah, your uh, on, team. on yeah. your team, uh, I remember uh, I met Craig years and years ago in the in the IT industry. But I remember, uh, yeah, probably beating him up a little bit when he was at Sky and, and NZ Tech Podcast was quite early on uh, around some of their technology. And it was interesting chatting to him the other day because Mike, you've managed to twist his arm to come across That's from right. from Sky to you guys, and you know, part of, part of the enticement was I, I imagine that you know that that things are a bit faster moving and, and so on in terms of what you're doing um, I'm really interested how the whole thing's going to play out because well, obviously they've got some very deep pockets look, well there's it's two things the first is, is that Sky's business is being disrupted the way the telecommunications business has been disrupted over the last decade or so with the, the internet and, and over the top providers and so on coming in um, Sky probably spent 10 years not making a profit from their service um, in order to reap huge rewards once it hit critical mass, once and adding an extra customer is all profit once you hit a certain point. Um, but their their entire business model is now being disrupted by not just uh, Lightbox but other alternatives as well. Piracy included. Piracy included, yeah. Um, so I think they they've they've got choices. They can either be, turn into the incumbent and play the incumbent role and be defensive. And you know, use lots of lawyers and God knows what to try and stem the tide. But King Canute like, or they can um, innovate and do, you know bring in their own skunk works. Well, it, it, it's very it's interesting that uh, that sort of comparison because you know we're talking on one side we're talking telecom, which was the business whose business yeah. was getting cannibalised. Not that long ago, and, and and in some areas it absolutely still is, and will continue but, but to happen for a while. To but that very process, but uh, you know, and chorus now, which was a you know a key you know part maybe of that, has obviously you know moved out and is a separate business. But yeah, I think it's it's just quite a, quite exciting to uh, to see t- you know telecom a- as a business, which shareho- some shareholders would have looked at and would have thought we need to uh, jump off this sort of sinking ship in terms of uh, where this is the place to invest. And now with these sorts of investments, as, uh, you know, actually com- you know completely reinventing uh, you know the potential of what the the future may be for the business. And the other thing is, is that Sky has this. It's not quite true because there, there, there are there's a tariff and you can choose various things, but it's a bit like one of those uh, buffet restaurants where you go in and it, there's the appearance of lots of choice, but you know actually it's not that good. It's not as good as going into a, a restaurant where they'll cook you a meal, you know, bring it to your seat and so on. And I think that I think the model is crumbling quite fast, so I think Sky has to move. Would you uh, be if you were someone that invested in uh, in shares? Yes, um, Sky. Would would Sky be some something you'd be sitting on? I'd be kicking the management up the backside and <laughs> asking them what are they doing about this? What where are their where's their innovation? Where is their telecom digital ventures? It's a very interesting one, isn't it? Because when you've got a business like this, there you know the. 
there is a huge, you know, very significant amount of uh, of of the um, revenue and the earnings that that come from the existing product. Yeah. But reality is, in in ten years' time, it's going to be a very different picture. And if they don't get their manoeuvres uh, right, then um, Mike and, and his bunch at Lightbox and whoever else is, is playing in this space may, may have eaten the lunch. Well, that's that's why I was saying earlier about the telecom digital ventures being so brilliant because part of its remit, part of Rod's job is to actually, he is allowed to cannibalise other parts of the business. And you have to do that. And there's a risk involved. Of course, there's a risk involved. But a lot of companies, they get that monopoly. They get stuck in that rut and they think, well, okay, that's it. Now I can coin it. I'm hoping that Sky can wake up. Mm. Well, I guess that's where, where Skinny Mobile and uh, and Big Pipe sort of, you know, come in as a new ISP, a new uh, you know, mobile uh, provider doing something a, a little bit different. May, may or may not be uh, cannibalizing existing business, but, uh, you know, it, it's good to see some, uh, you know, some, some fresh ideas some and a willingness to, to take it, those it, risks. Risk. Yeah. I mean, that's a big part of innovation. Yeah. Well... Exciting times. Uh, now, one uh, question, Mike. The, I think the press release that we saw said uh, said you're launching in August. Uh, every time I've heard you speak, there's you've been uh, much less committed committed uh, to a date. So, uh, so what's going on? When uh, when are you going to be available? Well, now, there's the beta so, now that people can. can yeah. pe- people still got an opportunity to get on the beta by signing up on your website. I yep, saw you, you got- um, getting on Geek Zone as well. There's a discussion area around Lightbox on there. So I'm going I'm to answer that question in a long way, but I promise I'll answer the actual question you're answering <laughs> at the end. Okay. Here we go. Are you, are, you pu- are you putting a uh, somebody else's hat on, not the, the tech guy's hat? I, I just want people to understand what we're doing and, and why. Right? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, so first off, what, what, what we have done is launch in, in you know in a beta mode, which means you know invite only uh, uh, folks. You anybody um, can and should pre-register uh, on on the site. Uh, we're selecting the invitees out of that pool. Um, the the reason for that kind of thing is a call it a soaking period. So, you know, we want to make sure uh, things are indeed uh, baked. Um, we want to make sure the video quality is good. We want to make sure that uh, you know people have a good experience. It, it is ISP agnostic. I don't I don't think I'd mentioned that yet, but that's important. This is not you don't have to be a telecom broadband. That is important. Yeah. Uh, so it's for it's for the whole country. Anybody with with any broadband subscription, and we we want to see how it behaves on the different ISPs. Um, Geek Zone in particular uh, is a fantastic community. Um, um, you know. Um, Absolutely, Mauricio, I think Mauricio over there, our, our product guy, Jacob, reached out to him and said, look, um, there's a lot of activity going on here talking about this. There's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of curiosity and enthusiasm. Um, so we reached out to Mauricio, helped us get a list of people that were you know, actively involved in that dialogue. We put all of them on the, on the beta. And that's, you know, when you go back to innovation and risk, it's, it's not just about doing something different or outside of your comfort zone. It's that, that type of thinking about why would you not reach out to what's clearly an early adopter community and, and take the hits and let them let them be critical let them let them talk about which device that we should have at launch even though we don't and you know that this happens when I you know the stream buffers when I do this it's it's invaluable and it's you know it's a um, we're grateful to that community and we're going to remain engaged uh, in that way and that to me that's that's how you take something out of an R and D lab 
and into the public is you know you, you roll it into you know an early adopter community you work with them a bit you understand what's going on you iterate you expand it uh you know the number of participants a bit and, th- and that's what we're doing so it's, think of it as a a slower roll. What, what what I can say that's very optimistic right now is so far that the stuff people are reporting um, is well understood. A lot of it was already in our own Jira, which is like a defect. Yeah, uh, and I know we, you know we we've talked about some of the you know the features that we say see on Netflix, like an autoplay onto the next episode. Uh, we've talked about you know 4K that ultra high definition yep. and so on. And, you know, we're going to end up with a long back. It it seems like, you know, ultimately you'll address, you know, these, you know, some of those areas that, uh, you know, we might be wondering about. Yep. And, you know, we're going to we're going to end up with a backlog, which is a healthy thing to have. Right. You manage a backlog, you prioritize it, you understand what actual users are really asking for. Prioritize again based on that. You, You lump things together into, you know, kind of themed feature releases. Um, so we're, you know, we're in a soaking period. Um, with the answer, I, I think your question, what, what we're saying is, you know, we're, we, we intend and aim to launch at the, at the end of the month, which is the end of August. Uh, we want to make sure it's baked. So this is where we get, you know, I start to pedal around. We're, we are right. still loading content. Yeah. And, you know, yep. spottiness in the episode guidance, it will go away. We only license full seasons. You're not, I mean, it wouldn't make any sense that episode yeah. one, not two, right? That's yeah, silly. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So we'll, that stuff will come that. in. So we yeah. want to, we want to get the content in. We want to make sure it's working the way it should. There's, there's absolutely some tuning things. There's some outright defects in there, and we're gonna we're gonna get rid of those. Um, we're not gonna have every device, and we're not gonna have every single piece of content anyone would want. But it's gonna be baked, uh, and it's gonna be ready for prime time. It's gonna be ready for the whole country, and um, that's that's where we're shooting for. So the, the aim is end of August. Yeah, um, and, and if, if something comes up and it's a head scratcher, we're gonna you know fix it yeah yeah okay uh that's fine i mean i think uh you know from from my perspective as as we wrap up um you know it's pleasing to see what you're doing yeah there are some shortcomings but it seems like you have the right attitude in terms of where these things are are, are going to go things are going to be uh addressed and hey you're entering a market that uh you know there's it's a competitive market you know there's obviously quick flicks that exists uh Today, for better or for worse, uh, they're Sky who are you know who, who have announced they're going to be launching something. Yeah. Um, so you you have to make an extremely uh, uh, you know serious effort to if you're going to uh, you know dominate and and do well. So uh, I I guess you know I think you know as a as a consumer, I'm hoping uh, that that you take that pretty seriously and all the signs are, are, are pretty positive at the moment. So, uh, yeah, well done. I mean, the initial feedback we're getting, you know, very, very positive. Mm-hmm. People like the content selection. They like the quality, the, the, the video quality, the user experience is you know, lean and mean and to the point, but very usable. So we're, you know, we think we're onto a winner. Great. Well, good luck with it. Um, I think that sort of wraps us up for this episode. For those that don't know, there'll be there's a 30 day trial that will be available when you launch, and then it'll be fifteen dollars a month That's for the right. service. Uh, so it's not too scary. Um, <laughs> You know, realistically, that's you know, I think that that's 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 thirty day free know. trial. That's a big deal. Is it right? going your phone bill? No, no, it'll be yeah. a separate uh, light box bill. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think that wraps us up. So, um, Bill, where do we uh, where do we find you online if uh, anyone wants to track you down? Uh, Bill Bennett NZ on Twitter and BillBennett.co.nz is my site. Excellent. And uh, Mike, are you uh, you on any of the, the, the social networks, or is there um, anywhere we can find you? I'm, I'm mostly on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, okay. 
we can read there about the uh, the patents that uh, that are behind yeah, your name. I noticed on the, your on your LinkedIn yeah, profile. Well, it's part Very of the cool. KPIs that uh, if you're going to be an R and D guy, you've got to do demos and patents and white papers and. You know. Yeah, very, very good. Um, well, you can tr- also you can track me down uh, at Paul Spain on uh, on Twitter and again across the other social networks uh, for the NZ Tech Podcast. We're also on Twitter and at nztechpodcast.com. Uh, and if you enjoy listening to podcasts, which uh, if you're listening to this, you probably fall into that category. Uh, also, uh, if you jump across to globalvoicemedia.com, uh, you can uh, catch some details about uh, some of the other podcasts uh, that we uh, that we have available, uh, including the uh, the New Zealand Entertainment Podcast and the slightly correct political show which has uh, just moved to uh, weekly in the lead up to the election uh, so uh, that's a that's a good listen too all right well thanks everyone for listening in we'll catch you on the next episode <laughs>